welcome to Scaling the Summit, Radio Gold Style. Your host, Charity Bryan and Sandra K. Sims. I am your technical director, Ginger Aaron Brush. Let's get started. Welcome to another exciting episode of Scaling the Summit. We are Radio Gold. I'm Charity Bryan and my co-host is Sandra Sims. Buddy, what is going on with you today? You know, it's really pretty. It's actually, again, I, I think I said this in our last podcast, it's really cold in the morning. Mm-hmm. We're in like the 30s yep. and it goes up to 70. Mm-hmm. I mean, that that is like a great day and it's beautiful sunshine. I shouldn't be sitting here. I should be outside walking around on my outside because right. the leaves are turning. It's so pretty. So I hope it's good where you are. Buddy, it's good. It's beautiful. Uh, it's it's warm. I'm in a suit today, which as you know, is not, not a good sign, right? Have we got AC going? Oh, buddy, we do. But remember the people out in the front office oh. are not AC fans. So it, I, I may lose this jacket midway through the okay. show today. Okay, All right. So I just need you to know that. You know what else I need you to know, buddy, is that we are so excited today to welcome our very good friend and special guest, Feli Kerba. Feli, how are you doing? Welcome to Radio Gold. Oh, thank you both so much. Uh, It's a pleasure to be here. Looking forward to this. Hey, we are thrilled and excited, and it's always great to spend time with you. Uh, you know, you're one of those people that I feel like I never spend quite enough time with because anytime we're at a conference or a convention, we're very busy, but it's great to just have this hour to hang out with you. So thanks for uh, for agreeing to be on our world famous and now international podcast, buddy. I'll let you <laughs> explain later why we're international now. But for right now, I want to tell our listeners that Feli got her BA, her Bachelor of Arts in International Relations from Valdosta State College in the state of Georgia. I did not know that until today. We'll talk about that a little bit more. Her Master of Science in Multilingual and Multicultural Education and Research from Florida State University, and her PhD in Multicultural, Multilingual Education and Reading, also from Florida State, so go Knowles. Uh, a little bit about Feli. Uh, she started her career as a research assistant, program associate, evaluation specialist. The list goes on and on. She's been a senior government analyst, a visiting assistant professor, director of research and development. In the mid-90s, she was a legislative analyst for the Florida House of Representatives Committee on Aging and Human Services in Tallahassee. A little bit later, right after that, she was the a president and consultant for Policy Works Incorporated in Tallahassee, where she did research and evaluation on legislative advocacy, staff development, and training in the areas of health and social services with emphasis on substance abuse, gerontology, education, labor and employment, home and community-based services and organizations. Then she was partner at Burns and Curva Associates, where she continued that important work and has, buddy, we know Philly as the legislative person for um, Florida AFERD, which is now Shape Florida. That's how we got to know Philly uh, originally. And buddy, you know, I know you're, you, are, you are our advocacy person. Some of the greatest sessions I have ever seen in my career have been when you and Philly team up to do something on advocacy. It's absolutely amazing. And I know not every state effort is fortunate enough to have an, a legislative person 
to, to be on their team, but Feli has done some amazing work and I'm so excited today to learn more about not only her advocacy work, but uh, man, to, to live in that world, to be at the Capitol and be among the movers and shakers and decision makers and to, to try to uh, maybe change their minds and um, to be a lobbyist is just, I think it's so cool, buddy. You know, this is, uh, it's a gift to be able to have Feli on the show. And I think that the biggest thing is, I think what we don't understand is that there's so much of a need for all of us to understand a little bit more about advocacy. And I remember back in my original days of being just a physical education teacher in a gym and somebody said, hey, Sandra, they're about ready to cut physical education. And the only thing we knew, we just took off down to Montgomery and said, you know, we've got to kill this bill. I had no idea. I had no upbringing in advocacy efforts. We did not really know what was coming. And to have to have somebody like a fellow that would actually could help you guide you through those things. I wish we had had that. Um, I think we can easily talk about it's easier to kill a bill than it is to pass one. Uh -huh. but, on that, but on that day, uh, my, I was, I, my eyes were awakened when somebody called and said, Sandra, you need to get down to Montgomery because they're talking about this. And we were able to do something in a very uh, reactive way. But since that moment, I've had a chance to meet so many great people and work with so many people. And you are one of the top ones to actually learn from uh, and I've actually, again, to have a chance to actually speak with you. But I think the biggest thing is I met you originally when you were with Florida Aford. So I'm interested, how did you get started as their lobbyist? Well, actually, it came when they hired Karen as the executive director. Holly was then the uh, board chair and uh, doing countless other things. She was she was the one and one all and be all and and basically she uh, brought Karen up to Tallahassee uh, because she was doing the advocacy herself at that time and uh, it turned out that Holly was uh, Sandy's my husband's uh, grad graduate student was taking a course on survey design and from uh, from Sandy and uh, and at that time Holly was contemplating setting up her committee and asked Sandy to be in her committee. And lo and behold, somewhere along the way, I was also there to cap at the uh, university at the time. And I happened to meet Holly in the hallway and Sandy introduced me to Holly and told me this is Holly and she's in the PE program. And Bob Ryder uh, was at that time the, uh, the, the chair of the uh, program. And so a lot of their PE students ended up in Sandy's uh, survey class. And so at the time, uh, in my conversations with Holly, she found out that I had a lot of legislative experience. And at the time I was also lobbying for other groups. And so we struck this conversation, Karen piped in, uh, you know, one thing led to another. And before you know it, after she hired Karen, she hired me and Karen at the same time um, for the organization. So. She got the executive director and the lobbyists at the same time. So well, I'm going to uh, go ahead and say right there, wait, wait, I need to stop you just for a second. That, uh, that dynamic duo, that had to be the greatest moment. What, I mean, that's epic. You, as she just hired <laughs> yeah. two of the greatest people that could ever help a, a, a group. And in truth, uh, I did not know that. I'm going to make sure I talk to Holly. I'm going to text her right after this and say, wow. I did not realize that you were the, the reason both of these people came to Florida AFER, but I'm gonna be truthful. 
that I, I didn't mean to interrupt you, but that that is epic that Holly did that. And I think that that's, uh, wow. I mean, the, hey, the rest is history. Go ahead. That, that comes under the umbrella of worth every penny. That is correct. <laughs> that is correct. Yeah. We were, I, we were I, so you keep, keep going because I, I interrupted you, but I needed to know. I didn't realize that that was, yeah, and that's, that, was. that happened. Yeah, it was. And, you know, we were off and running. And uh, I just remember my first day with, uh, with Afert and, uh, and I was asking Holly, I said, Holly, what exactly is, are your legislative priorities? And at that time, uh, Governor, then Governor Charlie Chris was setting up his legislative agenda and did the American Heart Association lobbyist, Nicole, who's now on our uh, advocacy committee, was then the director of the, of the Southeast Division for the American Heart Association. And so we happenstance met at the Capitol as I was, you know, just walking around trying to introduce myself as the new, you know, Afert uh, lobbyist. And she said, listen, we need to work on this bill together because we have a common mission. And those were her exact words. We have a common mission. So as she said, I have been working with the governor to, uh, to, to move physical education and health education as his quote, number one, but only education priority. And that's how it happened. So Karen came up to the Capitol to meet me and met uh, Nicole at the same time in the, and Holly, the four of us had a love fest. And uh, before we know it, we were working a bill with, with a freshman legislator who's five years, four or five years later, ended up being the, uh, the Speaker of the House. Uh, Will Weatherford, who's now oh. the, on the Board of Directors for the University, he's the Chairman of the University of Central Florida Board of Governors. But it was his first bill. So, you know, it, it's wow. all those connections, but, you know, it's like, it's like, you know, Karen, Karen basically, uh, took the bull by the horn and said, uh, we're gonna work on this, we're gonna do it right. And uh, and she said, all you need to do is to ask me, tell me what I need to do. And she did all the preparatory work, the research and the, the data that we needed to run with it. And then we went to the governor and Nicole and I went to the governor and the governor went to Will Weatherford to do the bill. And he was sent the up and coming Remember, he'd only been in the Florida legislature two months when we got to him. He was a total, total newbie. And uh, so, but it was, it was amazing, you know, sort of how the ball started rolling when Karen got on board and Karen and I got on board and it never stopped. I mean, it was just like, you know, that whole year, 2004, was incredible in a sense that uh, what we were able to accomplish in such short time. What a great gift and a great timing opportunity that y'all mm -hmm. had. And advocacy is something that we're gonna talk about throughout the show. But I think the biggest thing is the dynamic duo getting together and getting together with having other partners was a, was a major plus in this. I, it's like everything, all the, everything lined up. So yeah. I'm gonna ask you, there was so much success, not just in 04, but y'all had a series of a lot of successful years in, in the legislative sessions. But I'm interested, what kind of tips? So what I want to do is I want to, I want people to hear some of your successes, but I want to, to make this applicable to our, some of our listeners so that they could come back and say, what can I do? And I think the biggest thing, <clears throat> what kind of tip would you give the listeners that are interested in, in trying to help 
whether it's passing a bill at the state or the national level, what is something that you could share? What were some of those big important pieces that a grassroots person could do to help those people like you and Karen that were doing behind the scenes to make things happen? Well, you know, I when, when I'm doing advocacy training, I always tell people it only takes one person and one idea or one issue to start the ball rolling. Uh, you have to have a passion for something. In this case, we're talking about, you know, uh, student-focused kinds of issues. And, uh, you know, especially when it comes to health, uh, you know, I don't care. Uh, it doesn't matter what, what your, your interest is as a legislator, but when it comes to children's health, you, you pretty much can get their attention. So, you know, I always tell people, you know, be, be to come up to me and ask me what they can do to, to contribute. I don't, you know, it can't actually advocate because it's you know, restricted in terms of our policy at the district level. I always tell people, well, you know, you have to remember one thing, legislators love a photo op. And I said, anything that would get them out somewhere, they can have the press there, if you can build a whole press thing around it, you know, you, you, you've got them. I mean, you basically, you can hook them. And so I say, I said to them that if you have any special events or school fairs where, you know, the kids are, you know, sort of doing, you know, sort of physical education stuff or demonstrating any kind of dances or whatever, I said, invite them and, and uh, you know, call their office and tell them that uh, you're having the special event, would love to have him or her there just to see in terms of you know, what uh, physical education is all about. Uh, you know, I, I think that uh, everybody has their own sort of uh, stories to tell about physical education and, and you know, how, it, how it was for you growing up. But at the same time, in their capacity, they're always willing, if they can do it, to be able to be acknowledged in some ways, whether it's through, you know, through news clipping and whatnot, they, that, that's something that works all the time. So I said, you can invite them, you can, you, you, you can come to uh, special events that they're having, let's say, and uh, even just to acknowledge, you know, the good work they do, that there's legislative uh, days uh, that each of the, uh, the, the, the districts have. And you can just say, stand up there and acknowledge and, and hopefully support your issues. I mean, you know, the one thing is that as lobbyists, you know, we are the hired guns. That's what we're called, hired guns, right? But, uh, you know, for them, the idea is that they're not hear from their constituents. They'd rather hear those personal stories. And those are the important key points that I tell people all the time. Tell them your story. Tell them how, why you became a PE teacher, why it's important to you, and uh, why it's important for your kids to have physical education, health education, and, and, and sort of the lifelong learning that that, that entails. I, I said it may, be, you know, it may be something that may or may not be tangible for them, but they will remember. And they do remember their constituents. They will remember you. They will remember if they, they ended up in your school or in your classroom, or if you went to his office or made a phone call, do an op-ed in the newspaper. There's tons and tons of work of things teachers can do to become involved. And, and the, the important thing is you have to be true to yourself and you have to be, have the passion for what it is that you want, you know, you want them to help you with. 
And one of the biggest thing I tell people is that when you do get an audience before them, make yourself an invaluable resource. If anything else, ask them if there's anything they can, that you can help them with in terms of uh, health and physical education issues that come in the Capitol. Don't hesitate to call to call you, call them for you to, to be able to give them the right information and how it's going to impact their district. Uh, it, it's it's district to district. It, it boils down to local. It, politics is local, and 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 that goes for anything. Uh, whether you're looking at uh, advocating for the school board or for the school board or state legislature or federal legislation is the same thing. It's all local. And uh, so that's the important thing. And I think you've hit something very important is that people just need to, to get involved. I think the relationship, there's no doubt when I went back in the, in the 80s and I went and I was desperate in that reactive mode, I didn't know anybody. I didn't even know how to get to the, I'd never been to the Capitol before. All I knew is that I had to speak up. And we already know that just voicing your opinion in a polite way, in a professional way, does make a difference. But I think what you've, you've said to our listeners is the impact of being proactive is that we, you get ahead of it and you make, <clears throat> create a relationship and you actually give them the photo ops, give them the opportunities to be involved and understand who we are and that we realize that they really want to help us. And I think there's so much... Um, negative energy that we see in politics today. And I think that if we could stay away from the negativity and find the positivity and making that voice, which is what you and Karen and your group did, I think the biggest thing is being that voice. And I think that I want grassroots people to understand everybody's not a lobbyist. I will never be a felly because your knowledge base, what you've done, you are the hired gun. I'm just that little person that has a passion about uh, you know, uh -huh. our profession, but we need to work together. And that's why we need each other. And we need to be able to have a good opportunities. Now, what about that teacher? And let's say that there's really not a bill. There's not something going on federally or statewide that they're interested in, but you know, their class size is, is, is an issue, or maybe, you know, they just need a little more time. You know, they want classes to be done in an order where they don't have kindergarten coming in with fifth grade right behind it. There's not a an opportunity for that teacher to understand what kind of advocacy tip could you give just a, a physical education teacher that wants to maybe encourage her principal or the, the person in her school system for a little bit of help and maybe, you know, to try to make some changes even in the school? Well, you know, one of the things that, uh, you know, again, a lot of the issues emanate from the districts and it emanates from the classrooms and, and, and from the teacher. And that usually, you know, a lot of these issues raised, I mean, even the issues that, like you said, you know, you spend more, we spend most of our time in the last decade basically killing bills that are supposed to passing them because it became really, uh, you know, sort of uncharted territory for us when, you know, there's all this, uh, uh, revenue shortages and, and they were trying to sort of trim down administration and you know they're going down the list of who who needs to go first and so what we said and you know what our strategy was to, to tell people and to tell teachers that you play a role I mean you know you think about uh, the important things that you do to keep kids active and and the activity itself 
in itself is something teachers need for their mental health to be able to, to weather through a whole full day with students. And so I, I always tell them that, uh, you know, if there's an issue uh, that, that, that you feel passionate about and you think needs to be addressed, you know, then, you know, you can, but you let it bubble up. Organizations like, like, like uh, Fayford or Aford, uh, you know, sort of are there to be to elevate those issues for you. And, and one of the things that ha happened to us throughout, you know, you know since I was with, with them for what, 14, 15 years, is that a lot of those issues came to the organization. And then I sat down and did my own research about what exactly was going on. Because one of the things that I can, that I was able to do is I can communicate directly with the state agency, with the staff, with the legislative staff, and with the, with the, you know, with the governor's office staff to try to figure out how we can resolve this issue without having to go through legislation. And a lot of those issues, some of those issues, that's how, that's how we addressed it. Now, the class size thing is, is a really big dilemma here in Florida because as well as everywhere else with the teacher shortage, uh, you know, they're, they're basically down to bare bones in terms of staffing. And, and therefore, as a requirement, because physical education to, uh, still is a requirement, especially elementary physical education or middle school, uh, they have to meet the mandate until it's, it's erased from the books, basically. I mean, which, you know, everybody fights to not to make sure it has, doesn't happen. But uh, until it is, each school district has a responsibility to meet that to, to address the mandate. So, you know, if it, you know, what's happened now is that uh, everybody has a different interpretation of the statute. And, and some districts are basically doubling up, tripling up. We've heard as many as 150 students for a, for a PE class or, or, you know, what they call PE, which is to this day, we don't exactly have a sense for, you know, what, what that entails now, because when you have a hundred students, what exactly can you do except you know run them around tracks and and, and do you know sort of you know activities that are more mostly geared for a large number of students? So to, to answer your question, Sandra, I think what you know, I always tell people is that never say never and don't say no. Uh, you know, a lot of these issues, if it's if it's really something that 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 is affecting your ability to be able to, to do your job properly or to be able to, to, you know, to, to be a good teacher, then, you know, send it up. I mean, there is an organization in the state that deals primarily with your issues and, and it's their job to be able to advocate for you and advocate the advocate for the profession, but, but primarily they're advocating for the students because that's that's the main goal is to enrich students' lives. So, you know, I I I I tell people, and 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 there've been a lot of times over the, the the last decade or so that I've gotten calls from PE teachers directly, and said they're having this issue. The school board is going to do this, and they're going to do that. And what what I what I was able to do is basically you know contact folks that I know to try to get some 
response or answer or strategies on how we can address that. And if not, then we deal with it legislatively, which is the last recourse. I never tell people it's the only recourse, it's the last. And you know, anything you can resolve locally through your school board. And you know, my go-to, and I tell this to everybody, is that your school, your, your uh, school board is your go-to. I mean, even locally, I know all the board members of my school board only because I can text them, email them. If there's issues that I feel passionate about that impact, now it's a school mass thing that uh, we've been dealing with. So I've been very active with that locally only because I think it's important for schools, for children's safety. And so there's all these things that always gonna be, you know, sort of brewing around. Uh, but, but the idea is that as a teacher, as you, there's an issue, you have a responsibility as well for the welfare of your children to be able to address those issues, to make, to make life better for everybody, especially for them. I think that's perfect. And honestly, just the safety issue, but just, I think that the biggest take home is that they should speak up. And I think yep. that we, we've just got to find a way. And, yep. I, I, and if, if people don't, if they miss anything else about this podcast, I hope that they understand we don't have fellies that can, that can, mm-hmm. that can, can do this all across the country. We are the grassroots. We, it's got to yeah. be, everybody's got to do their part. So when you talk about advocacy, we can't pass the baton and say, that's somebody else's job. Nope, mm-hmm. it's ours. So thank you for sharing that. I, I look forward to hearing some more about this in a minute. Hey, buddy, I got to tell you, every time Feli opens her mouth, I learn something. I mean, she is amazing. And Feli, you know, one word, I haven't, I haven't been keeping track so far. But one word I have heard you mention several times already in the first few minutes is passion, right? Mm-hmm. And, and, you know, people can kind of see through if you don't really have a passion for what you're doing. And, you know, your passion for advocacy and advocacy leadership has led to you receiving the following award. So you have received the Shape Florida Presidential Award the Florida Community Health Action Information Network Bud Bell Advocacy Award, the Florida Aford Legislative Recognition Award, the Florida Council on Aging Annual Aging Network Conference Quality Senior Living Award, and the Dr. Carter Osterbind Outstanding Florida Council on Aging Member Award. Uh, and Feli, I know that's not all of them. That's just a handful, right? <laughs> the show's only like an hour. So we, I, you know, I just can't, can't go on and on with all of them, but what, tell me what you enjoyed most about your service with Florida Aford Shape Florida. I know that um, that's probably the type of group maybe you hadn't worked with before helping physical educators, but you know, what did you enjoy most or what do you enjoy most about, about that role? Well, you know, for me, basically, you know, advocacy has always been sort of in my blood. I mean, it's, it's something that interests me. That's why I got into political science, much to my chagrin of my parents that <laughs> I, I left business, edu- you know, I was, I was a business student until I, I found uh, political science and loved it from the get-go. Um, <clears throat> I, but I do think that, you know, for me, it, it, it's it's something that you know every 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 organizations that I've taken on as a client it's it's something that's meaningful to me it's mm-hmm. something that I I I feel a passion for helping you know mm-hmm. sort of for me it's it's just that 
you know, I want to do what I can to make life better for others, but but primarily for students, for children, for disabled and you know the vulnerable or as my mentor used to call them the voiceless i mean you know you think about you think about children especially and the elderly which is the um, both end of the spectrum uh, they are the voiceless i mean you know so you know for me it's it's uh it's something that i personally feel that you know you know there are there are few of us left at the Capitol that do this. And, uh, you know, that that's kind of what's important for me is, is feeling that I'm doing something. I sleep, I always tell people, you know, we have a standing joke in the family, you know, why couldn't I be a lobbyist for the, uh, you know, for oil company or tobacco company? <laughs> and I always tell people, well, the difference is that I sleep so well at night. Mm, there and you go. Know, knowing that I've done something good for humanity. And then if, if nothing else, you know, I'm doing something for someone else. And I do think that it comes from, you know, sort of my family has been in the helping profession. We have a lot of physicians and nurses in the family. So, you know, it, 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 comes, it comes naturally, you know, sort of for us. We've been surrounded by that our whole life. So, uh, but it is, it. You know, the, the one thing that is, I tell people all the time, advocacy, you don't necessarily have to, you know, sort of uh, make it your lifelong mission, but it's something that we have to do lifelong to be able to, to, to make sure that others after us, you know, will have a better, better life and better future. And, and I do think, you know, that that's, that's, that's what motivates me and keeps me going. And even now, you know, the, the Bud Bell Clearinghouse, for example, is a good example of that one, uh, Charity. Uh, that organization has been around since 1977. Oh. And, and I've been the coordinator for <coughs> over two decades. And it's 150 organizations and individuals, starting from early from children to the disabled, the elderly, the social justice issues, and, you know, I've, a lot of, uh, you know, union folks are members of this organization. They've been around since 1977. I do all, the clearinghouse is what it is. Basically, I provide them information that they can use to advocate for on their issues. Uh, so, you know, I'm, I'm spreading the word in terms of what's important so people can be better advocates for themselves. And, and that's kind of what I've always tried to do is to, to train people to be better advocates for themselves, because uh, no, if, if you're not going to do it, no one else will. Right, and, exactly. and so, yeah, th that's that's exactly the point. It's like, you know, I always tell people there's always more to do. And uh, there's there's never enough time in a day mm -hmm. to get everything done. It's just focusing in on what's important and what really is priority It's prioritizing. So. So, but, but that, that's kind of where my passion lies. And, and I do, I use that word all the time, even when I'm doing presentations, because huh. I do think that you, that's, that's something that has to be, that has to be felt, that you, you have to have that to do what you do. And, uh, you know, of course, not everybody does, especially, you know, as a quote lobbyist. Mm. And, uh, but uh, I love the old school. So, uh, you know, that's kind of what I said, there's you and far far between now of us around so but that's why wow. i enjoy what i do awesome so Feli, would you share with us one of your shape florida florida aford success stories maybe it was one that was funny or had a funny story or maybe it was one that 
you thought, man, we are never going to pull this off, but I'd love to hear one of your really good success stories. Well, the one we repeat so often, and, and Karen and I lived through it in Holly, and um, many moons ago, I think it probably was about 2013, I want to say, maybe, I, I can't remember exactly when it was, there was a bill to eliminate middle school PE, middle school physical education. In other words, to raise our statute from the books because a lot of the districts are, were calling for, quote, more flexibility in terms of the curricular uh, sort of uh, cur the curriculum. So basically what they, they decided to do was to go through and uh, the Department of Education had, had basically pushed this issue that one of the things we could eliminate was middle school physical education. Well, I tell you what, that bill came came in came in on 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 a Monday, right? And uh, the American Heart Association and us, we basically went into a strategy session. We knew we had to figure out something because the bill is scheduled to be heard the following Monday. And uh, you know, at the time we had uh, you know, equal numbers of, Amer of Democrats and Republicans in the committee. So we, we knew, I knew in the education committee, I had all these in line, they're all lined. And, and I, because I have, you know, they have been watching every bill that comes through and anything related to physical education, they just batted it down. And mm -hmm. I went before them every week to give them updates and to let them know in terms of what's important for us as an organization. So to make a long story short, here it is Friday afternoon and the bill is still on the agenda for Monday morning at nine o'clock. So on Friday morning, the American Heart Association basically sent out an all points bulletin alert and basically sent out to all the physicians, the osteopaths. In other words, we activated our coalition partners. At the time, there were like 33 of them coalition partners. We sent out an all points bulletin. We told every one of our coalition partners to have their members, you know, sort of send an email asking the committee not, you know, just to, to, to bat down the bill, basically, if they're gonna hear it. Well, what happened was, 75,000 emails arrived wow. all week and long. And it basically, the, 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 uh, uh, the aides were telling us the, the Monday morning, they were hunting me and they called, chasing us down the Capitol and said, make them stop, make them stop. And because it tied up all their emails and, and, their, uh, and their fax machines. I mean, there was a member that showed us she had a fax machine this high of messages. Mm. So basically what happened was we shut down the entire system. <laughs> Love it. We Love shut it. it down in an entire weekend from Friday to Sunday. On Monday morning, the chair of the committee came in. We had everybody lined up who was going to testify against the bill. We had all our coalition partners there. We filled up the room. And uh, basically the chairman reported the bill was going to be temporarily passed. It never got heard. Wow. Wow. That, that so had to that, feel so good. Oh, it was, it really mm -hmm. was. I mean, I tell you what, uh, one of the, one of the success stories, and I always tell people this, the biggest success stories in Florida is that 
is is the development and the evolution of our coalition partners. And mm -hmm. uh, you know, I think that uh, over the years, um, with the American Heart Association still a partner with us at the time, we were able to basically do anything and kill anything that would hurt PE and help. We, mm -hmm. we we basically were able to do that because we had the osteopaths, the family physicians, the P the pediatricians. We had the nursing the nurses association, PTA, the the uh, you know all the women's organizations mm -hmm. were behind this. The Catholic the, the uh, Council of Churches were behind this. In other words, we had such a diverse coalition. Members didn't know where it was going to come from. Right. So if they if they ever thought about doing something on, on any of our issues, they mm -hmm. know that there's going to be people marching in there, right. telling them that they can't do that. Mm -hmm. But uh, I also, you know, I also tell people that's reciprocal. Uh, in, in mm -hmm. The reciprocal part of it is I also attended all of their meetings. I, as much as I can, attended their conferences, presented uh, to their groups. And so th there is a reciprocal relationship in the coalition mm -hmm. and we were able to harness it and, and sustain it uh, for over two decades. And, yeah. and that's been the success. That's really, has been the truly the success of how, uh, why Florida still has the statutes in the book. Yeah. Hey buddy, you know, I think that really speaks to we can't do it alone and we shouldn't try. It's so much better and stronger when we have other people helping us advocate for ourselves. And, you know, it's kind of like we've always said in our, in our field, you know, the last thing you want is perhaps maybe, maybe your job's on the chopping block or physical education is not valued at your school. You know, the, the time to make yourself invaluable is not, not when they're threatening to take you away. It's all those days that come before it so that you do become invaluable and everybody wants you to, to stay and recognizes the value of your work. So Feli, thank you for that. I think the, the take home message there is the value of a coalition. You just absolutely cannot uh, underestimate how important that is. And I think- Well, you know, and I, yeah, go ahead. I'm, no, no, go ahead. I, you know, the one thing I always tell people is that every organization that, that became a partner with us and a coalition partner, I made it a point to look at their mission and vision statements and, and, and in terms of the purpose of the organization. And from there, I found common grounds. You know, in other words, we don't normally agree on everything. There's not an issue, not, not necessarily issues that we agree on, but they have a mission in their, in their organizational structure and framework that says health and welfare of children. So the next thing I know, mm -hmm. I'm writing letters to them, asking them to be coalition partners. And, and of course, you know, they, they're just so happy. And then, you know, what I do also is I do all the groundwork. I do all the preparation for all the, you know, whatever comes up and all the uh, talk sheets and, and all that stuff. But, you know, the, the idea is that there are common grounds. You will, mm -hmm. you will find that almost all organizations have that. And if you can pinpoint that, you can get them. And I do think, I think that that's important. And I want to go back to, you know, that I said that I, I drove down to Montgomery, Alabama and spoke up as a voice of one. And it is, everybody should speak up. And there's no doubt that one voice can, mm -hmm. can it's that little bitty drop, but the masses that you could form with coalition 
you know, one voice I hear it and go, ah, there's a person. Cause I remember hearing this lady go to the floor and said, there's a lady out in the hallway and she says, this bill has to do with physical education and you're cutting it. So you can have a voice and you can make an impact, but if you want to have long-term, you want to have monumental impact, having peers and partners and, and groups, the volume of voices, there's no doubt that, that that makes a huge piece. So thank you for that. Wonderful stories. We could probably listen to those stories forever and ever, <clears throat> but I want to go ahead and move on to this new thing we're about ready to that we're into. I think we're doing this together. You are uh, now the co-chair of the National Academy of Health and Physical, uh, Physical Literacy uh, Advocacy Committee. And this is a big, big piece. So here we have this new organization and we now have a co-chair who has been, you, you have been through it. You, have, you know how to handle and wrangle uh, legislation and you know how to get us started. So I'm interested I'm so excited, number one, that you're bringing your advocacy skills to this great group. But I'm interested, what do you think that this committee, brand new group that we're working together, brand new organization, what do you think that you're gonna be able to accomplish with this national committee? Well, you know, when I, when I got the call from Karen and from Charity on it, and, and Holly was on the live streaming as well, I, you know, it's been thing, you know, we've talked about for a long time. I do, I do think that, you know, that there is a role to play for organizations that uh, basically will train people uh, and prepare people for how to be advocate first for themselves. And if they can be advocates for themselves, they can advocate for children and other issues. And one of the things that uh, I'm really sort of, uh, you know, excited about is the fact that there's such a higher ed component to this. Mm -hmm. And I do think that if you think about it, we have to start there, the future practitioners before they even hit the schools. In other words, you know, if, 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 if at this point, you know, you have physical education teachers that are interested in advocating, a lot of that can be also, you know, sort of addressed at, at the, at the uh, university training you know, sort of arena as well. Uh, be, for me, especially when, when I started doing this, um, nobody was talking about advocacy. I mean, everybody was talking about, you know, in, in, in education, all these issues that, that, that pop up and how the legislature are, are passing all these unfunded mandates and, and there's no solutions to it. Well, there are solutions. You know, I do think that, you know, you just have to sort of, uh, you know, focus and, and narrow it down somehow. But I do think it's important for us as educators. And I do, I sincerely believe this because I, one of the courses that I taught in social work, I taught for many years in the School of Social Work, is how to make social workers better advocates. I mean, you think about what they do, they help people, but they don't know how to be advocates, right? And on issues that are important to them. So that's kind of what I, what I, I did, I spent a lot of time telling them how to be better advocates. And I do think that that's important, that that's something that they will, they will take with them and hopefully it can enrich their lives and not only enrich in their profession, but also I think it's something that, you know, it, it's one of those, I always, I always believe in teaching moments. You know, if, if somebody asks me a question about it, I, I will take time and, and sort of, you know, 
illustrate to them in terms of what they need to do, because I do think it's important. And so for this new organization, I hope to be able to, you know, sort of not only spread the message about anybody, everybody should be an advocate, especially these days for us, for also persons. But also, I do think that uh, we have a role to play in making sure for the sustainability of the organization that, that everybody's aware of, of the role we all play and, and, and that we have to pass that on to, you know, to our students, you know, whether it's at the university or, the, uh, or at the local level. I mean, that, that, that's, that, that's my mission. And, and that's basically what I want to be able to do is to be able to articulate what I have learned in my profession after 33 years of doing this, that, that this is something that everybody should be doing. Everybody. Right. And, and I think and, that and, I think that that's important piece. And I think that the piece is not everybody knows how I think people want, you know, people are passionate and people yep. just don't know how to have, you know, have an, an opportunity to what's the best path. And I do hope I hope that this committee can actually I, I, I've, I know that we're we're on a good path. We've got a great strategic plan. And I think that there's some things that really we can make a huge impact. But I think you've said it. We've got to educate some people. And I think that's got to start with future professionals. <clears throat> but I think it also, we've got some veterans out there that are still, they yeah. just need to know how to speak up. So I'm, I appreciate that. The next little question I wanna ask is, we know that advocacy is not something, it's not an event, it's not one little thing, it's it's every day, it's, it's a constant, it's continuous process. You know, we've gotta, we've gotta find a way to prepare. And I know that we're talking about preparing future professionals, but I think that the biggest thing, we just need to prepare ourselves and like the academy we need to prepare, prepare everybody and i think it's it's not an easy it's not an easy task that this committee's taken on but if you were to kind of say what how can we do it what would be if you had one little thing one i don't know one nugget what would you say that we need to do just to try to get ready to get if i wanted to be an advocate what do i really need what's the one thing that i need to do first well, you know, I do think, first of all, you have to, you have to know the issue. Uh, you, you have to be able to articulate issue. You have to be able to, you know, sort of uh, understand your audience, uh, whether you're talking to a uh, local delegation folks at the school board or your superintendent, or you're talking to even your principal at, in, your, in your school. You know, it, it's the idea that you have to be prepared. I always tell people, People, and I think it's true. When, when I'm talking to teachers, I tell them it's like writing a lesson plan, you know. And and you sort of, you know, you state your purpose and you, you do the objectives, and and you know, but you don't, you don't. There's no jargon involved when you're communicating. But it's the idea. It's it's the strategy and the, and and how you how you go about it. It's like writing a lesson plan. And then when you're presenting it, you sort of unjargonize it basically make it as clear as possible you leave your emotions at the door you lay it out on the table and one of the things that i learned uh in my many years and i still practice this today uh i, I don't know have you heard of the power prism by the american heart association it's it's called the 20 uh what did they call it the 27 9 um three rule and, and what it is, is you have uh, uh, 29 words 
nine seconds and three main ideas. Think about it. If you can, if you can train yourself to do that, you can be an advocate anywhere, including I do that when I'm walking with members to the elevator and, you know, sort of, you know, you just snap and, 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 and basically just lay it out as, as quickly as you can. So as clearly as you can. And, you know, I always tell people if you can, you know, sort of communicate, the, the best thing to do is just to, you know, sort of lay it out on paper. I always, I'm always one of these people, one page, one page, two, two paragraphs, three bullet points, that's it. Because that's all the attention, whether you're a school board member or whether you're a legislator, that's all the attention. You're, you know, and you have five minutes with them, five minutes. And so you have to be able to, to do it quickly. So I always tell people that, you know, you have to somehow be able to do that. I mean, as teachers, you know, we're, we're trained to sort of, you know, uh, you know, steps by step in terms of how you do it. But there is no tried and true thing. It, it depends on the relationship you have with that particular person. So one of the things I always do is, you know, I tell people get to know them because they want to do the right thing. And, and the, the idea is that they'd rather learn it from somebody in, that's local to them. And that, that, that and you will find sometimes when they're speaking on the floor, they'll even use your name because right. you've made such an impact. And you I think, know, I so think so, you're saying, you're saying prepare and keep it short. Prepare. And, I mean, prepare. in other words, like a little elevator meet, a speech. Mm -hmm. And if you can, mm -hmm. if you can prepare an elevator speech, something that if you're writing up that you could do it that quick, that is, that is the deal take home message. I think that that's powerful. Thank you. Hey, hey buddy. And once again, the relationship piece comes into yes, it does. play. Uh, it's just so important that we, that we have those relationships proactively before we, before Agreed. we need to call on our friends. Um, hey, Philly, I want to switch gears a little bit and ask you, uh, we have a little segment we call past, present and future. You know, you've been doing this a long time. So what changes have you noticed in addressing advocacy issues over the last couple of decades? Well, I, I think fundamentally, um, you know, what I've seen in, you know, in, in, in 33 years of doing this is that it used, there used to be so much focus on policy. And, 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 you know, we had legislators, especially in Florida, that were here for, gen for decades and, you know, generations and whatnot. So they really understood the issues and whatnot. And, and you never really had to really dig deep and, and sort of uh, to educate them about them. Uh, but now it's really different because if you think about, you know, whether school board or, or, or a state legislator, they have to, you know, they have to know everything from A to Z and it's hard for them to focus and they each have their own interests. So, you know, education is always important. And, and basically it's one of those things that, you know, that, that, that gets not too much attention only because in, in, in so many ways, uh, it's, it's shifted so much and we have the, the, the delivery of education is so different now. And also funding streams are different now. So, you know, but, but, but the, the biggest thing about advocacy that I've, that I've seen, you know, over the years is that there's, there's very little, you know, sort of interest now in terms of the policy end of things, except to, you know, to sort of discuss, you know, that we need more civic education, which is great. 
which is important. But at the same time, you know, it, it, it's kind of, you know, students are now at a posture where they can create their own, you know, sort of you know, field of study, so to speak, or, or their own in the structure, uh, educational structure. So it's, it's difficult to sort of advocate generally for just one thing and, and, and one constituency because you find yourself pitted against one group over the other, whether it's the uh, charter school people or this and that. It, it's, it's very different. It wasn't there, believe it or not, I was at the Florida legislature when the charter school was funded in, 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 19, in 2000 and, no, I'm sorry, it's 19, 1995, I think is when it came, the first funded. And, you know, so we have shifted, education has shifted so much, uh, either uh, both at the local level, district level, but also at the university level, it's shifted quite a bit. So it's a different focus now for advocates um, and we've become, you know, sort of one issue, you know, sort of uh, uh, lobbyists, advocates at a time because the, the issues are so huge. And you know, especially with health issues now, uh, sort of what, what districts have to go through to sort of uh, you know deal with all the health, health concerns, the mental health issues. And I'm I'm doing a lot of work now, uh, on, you know, sort of volunteer work on mental health issues and mental health services for children. And only because I do think that that's kind of the long-term impact. I mean, there will be that for children because the whole educational system has shifted. All right. So in, if we're looking at present, if you're looking for best strategy, like what's really happening, if I we had something, what, what would be the, if you had a, like right today, what's the best advocacy strategy that's working now? Well, the best advocacy strategy is grassroots. Uh, I tell people that, uh, you know, you have to start locally and you have to race locally. You have to elevate it uh, either through letters to the editor uh, or, you know, sort of speaking out at, at your school board uh, meetings. And, and you know, that, that, that's, that's where it is. It's all local as opposed to more state uh, state uh, issues. I, it is Florida, and I think it's going to be true for a lot of other states. But I do think that that's, that's kind of what it is. It's, it's going to have to be, you know, you, you sort of develop those coalition and you sort of magnify the, uh, you know, sort of uh, relationship you have with your state organizations, because I think it's important because it's, it's the only rule of survival. Uh, mm -hmm. You know, you have, to, you have to make sure you have that strong bond and people behind you, and there are strength in numbers. And, and so it's important for you to be able to cultivate that. I, and, you know, I, you know, one of the things that's been such, such a joy to me is that every time I went to the next state conference to find out all these groups and all these teachers and, and administrators and health educators and PE teachers that have, that have basically been organizing, been, you know, participating, been advocating locally. And, and I think that that's, that's what it's all about. And, it, it, you know, we just have to give them the tools to be able to do that. Great. So, Feli, where are we headed in the future? What strategies do you think in the future are going to really be effective? Well, I do think that, you know, we have to continue you know, that, that this is a profession 
this is a an important profession. It's a lifelong kind of profession, and uh, you know we 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 have a lot to contribute in terms of the health and welfare, not only of of, of children and families and 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 the country and the world as a whole, uh, and and we do play a role in that because a lot of that is important and it's something that is basically, you know, provided. And, and given to children at school. And, and so it, it, it starts there. And, and I do think that, you know, that that's the role we play. We have to be able to tell them or, or to share with people the importance of what we do. Uh, you know, and, and Sandra knows this, and uh, that my passion in health education goes way back. I've always, you know, even in, even in my earlier careers, I've done work in health education issues. Only I do think it, it's kind of the, you know, the linchpin in, in terms of everything we do uh, uh, in this world. You know, health is important. If you don't have health, you can't do anything else. So, uh, you know, and, and that's something teachers can, you know, certainly uh, be able to, uh, to, uh, to train and to, to share with their students. And I do think that that's our role to play. And if we prepare professionals that are going into this field, and, and also, you know, future leaders and researchers and, you know, whatever, you know, it's, it's important for us to, to sort of share knowledge that we have, whatever knowledge we have to make sure. And also, I mean, you know, like you said, Sandra, I mean, things are shifting and, mm -hmm. and, and things are changing. But I do think that, uh, you know, we stay the course in terms of making sure that uh, we keep the focus on the children and we keep the focus on, you know, sort of, you know, making sure that people stay healthy for a lifetime. That's very good. Okay, <clears throat> we're gonna, I'm gonna move. I, I have one question though. I'm gonna ask, uh, there are some of the questions we're about right. I was gonna ask you, I think we've answered some of them. So I'm just gonna kind of drop down and I, I do wanna ask you a question that it's one of those questions I ask uh, often. You know, there are people that in your life that have done, that have helped you. Uh, and helped you with this very nice career. If you had to thank, if you had to, to say thank you to a, a, a few people, who would you say impacted your career? Well, I, I always tell people, you know, one of, the, one of the questions I get asked a lot is how did I get started in this? How did I end up doing this? Uh, you know, and I always tell people that, uh, you know, uh, early on in my career, as I was going through my doctoral program, uh, my goal was always to be to go to university teaching and I had started applying for jobs across the country all the way up to Washington State and so you know I was I was really interested because at the time there were positions open in in my field and uh, you know fate intervened Dr. Milton and I <laughs> ended up here and he was already on faculty and then so I and then after I finished my PhD, I said to myself, now what? You know, mm -hmm. I mean, I'm here and university teaching at the time, it's, it's kind of difficult for spouses unless you're, you know, you're asked uh, your spouse, you, you can get a spousal appointment at the same time. So uh, what happened was I ended up working for a state agency in research and evaluation work, which is what uh, my, my minor was. And uh, so that got me that got me started on it. And then 
lo and behold, within two years, I was doing all the staff building analysis for the agency. And uh, I, I, you know, and, and the passion was there. And, and I knew it was something I always wanted to do. And uh, so I got really hooked into legislative work. Uh, at the state agency level and ended up working for the Florida legislature. So, you know, I do think that, uh, you know, somehow along the way, uh, for me, it, it was a, you know, it was a decision that, uh, that uh, certainly Sandy contributed to making sure and, you know, the, all the support I have gotten over the years, certainly my career He's, he's, he's given me such latitude to be able to do anything and everything I wanted to do. So I always tell my kids my, 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 and my students as well, you know, don't ever think, don't ever feel that you regret anything. There's no reason you can't do anything. And I said, no, uh, as long as you have somebody to support you and to be there for you. And, uh, you know, many, 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 many times, I can't thank him enough for it, only because, you know, especially when I was working 16, 17 hours a day at the Florida legislature, seven days a week, and we had two babies, and he was the department chair, and he took care of the kids 24 seven, while I, I basically slaved away at the Florida legislature, happy as can be, you know, and uh, but uh, you know, it, it, it takes it takes somebody, it takes a partner who basically would support you all the way. And I, I do think that's important. And and for me, the other person that 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 gave me my full start in this is a woman by the name of June Noel. Uh, she's she's in Tallahassee. She was my first boss, and uh, those were the lean years when there were no jobs available. Uh, the, the governor's office cut all these jobs because it was the, we had a recession back in, uh, what, 1983, 84. And uh, she made it her mission to hire me. No matter what, no credentials in terms of working for state agencies, nothing. But she wanted my research and evaluation skills and she went to the mat for me. And I ended up working with her through several organizations, including the Pepper Commission on Aging. Uh, I was the chief uh, legislative person for them uh, for about two years. And so she basically, you know, got my career going and, and stayed with me throughout. So those two people basically changed my uh, and, and and sort of gave me the career and and the lifestyle and and you know sort of the uh, you know I was able to pursue my passion throughout my professional career. Not everybody can say that, but I have. Well, that's, that's awesome. great. Thank you. Awesome, Philly. You know, we hear so often from our uh, from our guests that there, there was the one person, right, that kind of gave them an opportunity or or really changed the course of their life. All right, so we are at the fun rapid fire personal questions. You ready? So this is first thing that comes to mind. All right. You ready, Philly? All mm -hmm. right. When you were a little kid, what did you want to be when you grew up? Uh, an accountant. Oh, okay. Until I figured out I couldn't do math. I couldn't do math. <laughs> All right. If you could live anywhere else, where would it be? Scotland. Beautiful. All right. Favorite meal to eat or cook? My favorite book to cook is the Filipino Chinese, Chinese, uh, not Chinese, the Filipino chicken and rice soup. 
Oh, sounds, sounds good. good. Okay. It <laughs> so is. It's like, it cures everything. Ah, <laughs> uh, I need a cure. Does it cure coughing? Because we need that right yes. now. Here, buddy. Yes. All right. I'm, I'm looking forward for that. Beach or mountains? Mountains. All right. Best book you've read lately? Uh, the best book I've read is uh, uh, Barack Obama's book. Uh, I, I can't for some reason. Hold on one second. I had I wrote it down only because I knew I would forget it. It's a promised land. Uh, mm -hmm. I, I learned a lot of immigrant uh, moving across the world, and I, I felt that, and it, it kind of impacted me tremendously. All right. All right. What is the best advice you received from your mom or dad? My mom and dad gave us three, uh, this word of wisdom. First of all, always be kind. Always care about what you're doing. And no matter what, do not lose sense of humor. Mm. And uh, those, are, those are the words I live by. My dad, who's 93, you know, he gets on, he, he, he Zooms us every week. And he, he starts out the conversation with jokes. And so it's, it's levity. And it, awesome. it, it is a kind, of a kind way and a nice way to start out a conversation. Great. All right, Feli, we are at our favorite point of the show, a game we like to play with our friends. It's called Two Truths and a Lie. We play this game in honor of our friend Cam Kirst. And I think you probably have met Cam at least once. Uh, in all of our many travels. So you're going to tell us three statements about you. Two of them will be true. One of them will be a lie. Buddy, we are going to work hard to get another one correct. Okay. I'm writing ready? it down. Yes. All right, okay. Feli, we're ready. Go for it. All right. The first the, the one thing is, is that, that I love English literature uh, and you know, such a British dramas like uh, Agatha and uh, Jane Austen, but mm. I love English literature and I read a lot of that. Uh, right. What's number two? Number two is I love Olympic sports. Okay. And number three? Three, I love outdoor activities. Hey, buddy, I got a feeling. I got a lot. There's love, love, love going down here. This is a lot of loves. A lot of loves. Okay. What is your feeling? Buddy, I think the English literature thing is is probably true. Yeah, I kind of I kind of felt like passion there. She, uh, yeah, yeah. she was moving, she was yeah. moving pretty quickly right. into telling us which one she liked. Right, so I right. think she might have sold that one a little hard. So that's yeah. Okay. Okay. So I'm gonna say that's true. Me too, buddy. You, I agree okay. with you. So yep. what what are you thinking? You okay. know, this is I? this is a trick because both of these. We she advocates for it. Who was mm -hmm. she's an mm -hmm. advocate for sports right. and she's right. an advocate for outdoor activity. Mm -hmm. But the, this is about personal love. The word mm -hmm. love is a pretty serious word. Yeah, yeah. What are you thinking, buddy? I kind of think that Felly loves Olympic sports, but not being outdoorsy. Really? That's what I kind of think. What really? were you thinking? What were you, were you thinking the opposite? Uh, I don't. Uh, I, I'm 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 kind of mixed about this. Really? Yeah. But I, buddy, everybody loves the Olympics. Come on. Okay. It's a little un-American not to love the Olympics. I didn't isn't say it? that. I didn't mean that. <laughs> okay. So we've got to say you're going to say two is true. So you're saying you believe number three. I. 
I don't know. I'm gonna buddy, let you, buddy. You here's gotta the deal. Call listen, listen. Felly is always dressed way better than us because oh, of her yes, profession. I think. Yes, I mean, but she you is, know, if it's if, fashion. If you and I are given an opportunity at all, like the tiniest little window, we will be in like shorts or sweats, uh, right. right? As quick as I could get off this call. Yeah, it's going. but not Felly. And so no. I'm kind of thinking maybe okay. this outdoor business, she just okay. doesn't love. All right. You sold that on me. So let's try. I did. Let's, yeah, I think. All I, right, I, Felly. I, I, we think number three is the lie. Although I have hung out with you at the pool in very hot weather. Go ahead. Absolutely right. You both got it right. Woo! I, you know, I, I, I always tell people that you can't take the city out of the kid. And, and <laughs> I grew up in the city with no trees, oh. no nothing. And I prefer the pavement and, you know, I, you know, every little bug, but, you know, it sort of bothers me. In one, I remember when I first met Sandy, I saw all this uh, camping equipment. I said, no, 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 no. Oh, <laughs> no camping. No. Oh, no. I'm with you. So no camping. Wait, you're not a tent woman? No. Oh. No, I want my amenities. Yes. Oh. Amen. <laughs> Amen oh, to that. I, listen, here's what I believe. You put the big mattress in mm -hmm. the tent. Yeah. And With that air conditioner? The, yeah. It, well, you can have a little fan, a fan mm -hmm. blowing. Mm -hmm. Oh, you two do not know what you're missing. <laughs> no. Okay. Well, that's okay. Hey, buddy. Hey, buddy. This has been a great show. And I don't want to, I'm not going to try to change either one of you into being a tent dweller because I'm going to be honest with you. I love tent sleeping. It is, it is some serious stuff. Buddy, I think the moral of this story is you can have your tent. Felly and I will be at the Westin having a drink at the bar okay. and enjoying a I, good time. I, I think that, yeah. was, that was good. That was a great. Awesome. Okay, I'm good with that. Felly, it's great to see you. Thank you so much for spending some time with us today. And uh, we look forward to seeing you. I hope we will see you along with many of our listeners in Birmingham at the Health and Physical Literacy Summit, February 13 through 15, 2022. You know, registration's available now at nahpl.org, or you can visit the National Academy of Health and Physical Literacy, the website, for more information. Belly, this was great fun. It's great to see you. Thank you so much. Thank you both so much. I appreciate this opportunity. Look forward to seeing you both soon. Can't wait. Talk yes. to you later. Have a great Bye. week, everybody. Bye.